You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Half Hour! Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie Grasso, Artistic Director. And I'm Jeff Malone, Executive Director. And we are here to bring you a casual conversation on the shows, films, concerts, and music events that we see and observe throughout our careers. This conversation will feature some spoilers, so please make sure you see or listen to the piece we are discussing, or pieces we are discussing, as in today, Mm -hmm. before continuing on with listening to this episode, You Have Been Warned. Jeff, we're on episode 10, 10th podcast episode. Our 10th episode today brings us to a wonderful discussion here on A Star is Born Times Four. Mm. Um, We have four feature film versions of A Star is Born that we're going to be discussing today. We've seen all four in order of which they were created and released. And so we are going to kind of dive in here. We have a lot to talk about. So I would just like to make one little slight disclaimer note for all of you avid Star is Born fans out there. Yes, we know there is a 1951 made-for-TV movie version. We are only talking about the four feature film versions. So if someone was like, wait, there was that 1951 one for TV, we're not going to talk about that one today. (laughs) We're talking about the four that were released as feature films. So going down a little bit of history here, I'm just going to kind of run through um, a few basics before we get started for all of you guys so you guys can stay in the loop here, okay? 1937 is the first Star is Born that comes out starring Janet Gaynor and Frederick March. That's 1937. The second film version, feature film version, comes out in 1954, starring Judy Garland and James Mason. Then we jump forward next, the third feature film version, 1976, Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. And then we jump ahead quite a few years to 2018, the latest Star is Born feature film version, Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper. Um, so just so you all know, we have Janet, Judy, and Barbara all playing the role of Esther. The name changes to Allie in 2018 when Gaga plays it. And the male's name all changes slightly with the first two films, Frederick and James playing Norman Maine, but Chris Christopherson playing John Norman Howard, and then Bradley Cooper playing Jackson Maine. So the name Norman and Maine kind of float in and out in the later adaptions. But Esther stays through um, the first three films. And then, as I said earlier, Gaga's version changes over to Ali. And um, one more fun fact here. Um, you know, we know these latest three films all have a huge iconic song attached to it. Judy Garland's 1954 version, The Man That Got Away, wins an Academy... Oh, doesn't win an Academy Award. I'm sorry. It's Academy Award nominated. It is nominated for Best Song. Does not win. 1976, Evergreen, written by Barbara Streisand, wins the Academy Award for Best Song. Then in 2018, Shallow wins an Academy Award. Lady Gaga writes that as well. So we have interesting theme here that in the last two versions, two big songs both win Academy Awards and both the leading women who sing them also write them. Very, very cool fun fact there. Um, so let's dive in, Jeff. What are we thinking here? A Star and is Born. There's a lot to talk <laughs> about. Where do we well, begin? Also, other... other- Note, we're going to use the actual actor stage names during this podcast because it can get very confusing. Yeah, the different character names. So we're just going to refer to, you know, Janet, Frederick, Judy, James, Barbara, Chris, Gaga, Bradley kind of throughout, okay? Thoughts? Hmm. First of all, did you like watching these four films in the order of which they came out? 
out because I that was my intention was to kind of like let's do this podcast where we watch them in order. I think what it was think important to watch them um, as they came out because I think each film set up the next film to do something different or do something better or do something Maybe worse. Worse, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a different take on it during the times that was currently happening. You know, in the 2018 version, we're talking about rock and pop and. The 1970-something version, we're talking about country and... Rock. Rock. And then before that, we're talking about movies. Golden Age. Golden Age. So, I think it just related to the times that were Mm -hmm. happening. Um, I also think that we just get to see the story told in different ways. Yes. And and I do firmly believe that each film has its pros and cons. Mm -hmm. I do believe that. I don't think any, in my personal opinion, I don't think any of them are perfect. Um, Some are very close to perfect, in my opinion, from a plot standpoint, from a thematic music standpoint. Some of them are way off, in my opinion. So I think we (laughs) could talk about that a little bit. Maybe we work in chronologically. So let's go start with the first one. We're talking about 1937 Stars Born. This sets the scene. This is the original. This is what a lot of things are based on. The... um, let me get one more look at you line and 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 right. and those iconic just this their relationship and the growth of their relationship. I there was no music in this one. This was absent from music. We were talking about actors in film. What I actually really enjoyed about this was seeing Janet Gaynor's character a little bit um from the, where she came from. Right. We don't see that with most of the other films. We'll talk about that a little later, but we see her as okay, she's comes from this small town. The grandma is so involved in the plot from the beginning, the middle, and the end, sending her money, coming back to visit her, pushing her. There was that like, oh, I have family support at home, which in most of the other films is kind of absent a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I liked that. I liked how she was a strong, independent woman coming into Hollywood by herself, having to get a room to rent, being in this very male-dominated industry, and then falling in love and building her life with him and... And and so I enjoyed this film from her perspective. I really loved her performance in it. And I thought she yeah. did a really, really wonderful job portraying this for the first time in film. And then the, and the tragedy at the end of his death and how she handled that when she was still famous and how the media kind of hyped it. So I, I did like what they did with her character in this version. Right. I think what's... N- why this film was so important the first one was like it kind of set the stages for the other three as well Mm. so in each film there they all deal the the lead male character is dealing with alcoholism Mm -hmm. right that never changes Mm -hmm. that's like the dominant um factor here dominant Mm -hmm. trait and i guess that and then like where does the love story go in each film because it's a love story between two people Mm -hmm. and i think that's where this film, it, it, it kind of got there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're starting on it, and I think, she, does she love him? Does he love her? They really didn't have a great love connection mm-hmm. in this first film. Um, it, it just... It was simple for the times. We have to remember, films made at this time were not using um, a ton of curse words. We weren't using a lot of um, skin showing or sexuality right. or lust in love. It was very G-rated, kiss-kiss, hug-hug... And this is my life. And we don't see the intimacy as much in their relationship because of the time the movies were right. made. And time. also, like, does this kind of go to you and say, oh, was this more about their love for Hollywood? Mm. Both mm. of them? Mm-hmm. She 
wanted to be mm. in Hollywood so badly. And what's interesting is so many things change. He gets her the screen test, but then she's like, okay, you have to change your name. Okay, yeah. you have to go change your hair. Okay, you have to go do this. And she's, for the most part, like, okay, right. this is what I have to do. And then she got famous. So and then part of you sees like, oh, he kind of liked her for who she was. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, and then... He keeps drinking. He kind of gets better. Then he keeps drinking. Mm. Then you go back and it's like, then he goes to rehab. And it's, we always get to these parts of the film and it's like, okay, what, what is the point of the story? Right. Is it about industry and a commentary on that? Is it about love? I, I mean, you also have to remember this is pure tragedy. Yeah. If you've read, we go, we know tragedy goes back to Shakespearean times and and Greek mm-hmm. myths. Tra- it, this is pure tragedy. As much as there's comedy and love and intimacy, and and it's a beautiful romance film in all four um, adaptations. It is tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's pure tragedy. And I think that the first version makes it like, oh, it's sad, but how is she? You know, like as I said, she's a strong woman, but she still had to succumb to so many male-dominated things in the mm-hmm. industry to become Vicky Lester from Esther Blodgett. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? It was like, okay, well, I'll do all those changes if this is what I have to do to be famous. Right. And we certainly see that change in the female character as the new versions come out. Right. So, so when we move into the Judy version. We can now. move into the Judy version now, yes, because we're going to go, now we're jumping ahead from 1937 to 1954. So now we have Judy Garland, James Mason. Mm-hmm. We have... A few things going on here. One, if you've if anybody has seen this film recently, you'll see that there's a there's a few chunks of the film that are missing yeah. and put in with photos and audio. It looks like there was some of the film was lost or destroyed at some point in translation. So we're dealing with a lot of loopholes in plot. We're listening. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing photos. Some people actually like that. Some it kind like of, it. I didn't like it. I, it was just different. We don't ever see things like that. Well, first so off, the the movie's too long to begin. It's with. very long. <laughs> it's very long because showing her mo- musical dance and singing montages are very long very long and that's where it sits for me it's like is this a love story between two people or is it also a love that they have for the art but don't forget many many golden age movie musicals of the 50s and into the 60s were these long almost three hour full production number shows so they were they were showing these full numbers and i understand what you're saying but this isn't a movie musical right well it is in a way music in it yes but this is not Right. A typical movie. Right, where the music is directly associated with the plot. Right. The music is a different part of it. Right, so we're watching Judy turn into this star, which is fine. I get it, but I think we do things differently in movies now. Like, we see clips of things. Unless the the song is actually driving the plot. Which we see moments of in the latest version. We'll talk about that. I think with this one, I think we were... were, The Man That Got Away is an iconic film song. Mm -hmm. It is an iconic Judy Garland song. Would it have made sense for this song, we talked about this, to maybe be later? To be at the end, where the other versions end with a huge ballad. Does it make sense? She starts off so early. I would have liked it to be at the end, but this story, this film, did not follow the life of a singer. Mm. Well, she was a singer. She was a singer in movies. And then she becomes... But it was not about... But here's what I find very interesting. Strong, independent woman. Actually, I think out of all of these, we, we know the least about Judy Garland's character's personal life yeah. before she but she's in this band that's male dominated she's trying to be this singer she's about to go on the road and then when james mason comes into the picture it's almost like i'm a strong woman but oh okay i'll leave my singer road life to come follow you so there's still this whole like 
you're so strong and independent. Well, like but then she goes to change. It was an opportunity. Yes, it was. And I'm not saying she completely changed or succumbed to it, but she did change. She was just a jazz singer. I don't want to say just a jazz. The character was a singer with a band and then became a movie star. Right. So different change of industry in a way. And then I, th- I, I think they got it a little bit better with seeing the love connection between the mm-hmm. two of them mm-hmm. in this film. Um way better than the first because i don't really yeah. think they were ever in love with each other this one i do think that they were in love with each other judy would literally do anything for james's character and and, and we also see the similarities here just so i can keep um track record here in the in the 1937 and 1954 both frederick march and james mason's characters die by drowning mm-hmm. so the way that's filmed they, they have homes on the beach the ocean is a big theme that's where he loses his life the academy award moment when they show up drunk and they he they accidentally hit her both times yeah. that's that's in all of them but we're talking about the academy awards well the he, humiliation the humiliation aspect of it is so certainly at, there at every award show She's humiliated mm-hmm. in some way mm-hmm. by her partner. And I think what's also interesting is we see the media throughout these two when he dies and Judy's at the funeral or they're at the, and people are just swarming and swarming. It's like, what happened? What happened to the personal intimacy of their marriage? It was all exposed. This was when Hollywood was starting to become like, mm-hmm. we are obsessed with tabloids and paparazzi of these people. And we're seeing that element. Of and it also too. with these first two films, I would say they are the most similar to each other. Se- yeah, and set up. They just added music mm-hmm, to the mm-hmm, second mm-hmm. film. Right. So right. at the end, basically, you can go word for word, I feel like, when it becomes the same movie. Mm-hmm. So this was more of like the remake than it was trying to tell a different story. Right. So, so then we kind of button those a little bit because we move forward. We jump many years now ahead to 1976. We're seeing really, I mean... A complete change. Complete change. Complete change. And in some ways it was great. And in some ways I don't know how well it worked. Now, you know better than anyone that I'm one of the biggest Barbara Streisand fans in the whole entire world. <laughs> and I love Barbara. And I and I will tell you something. I loved her performance in this. I loved Evergreen. I like her. I love what she does. I like how they made her. So let's talk about this. I, I like how they made her this strong woman who was a singer, who lived on her own. I like when it was like, no, you're not coming in tonight. Bye. I'll see you tomorrow. Like it was, it was, I'm, this was during the, a huge feminist movement of the 60s and 70s. This was showing her as like, I have my own career. And she didn't, like the first two films, immediately succumbed to him. It wasn't like, oh, okay, I'm going to, it was like, no. You're cool, but I don't know you yet, so give me a hot second. So there was that. But this one missed the mark. Okay, okay. Tell me why. Tell me why. It missed the mark of the love story. Okay. When did you ever find that Barbara fell in love with him? I will tell you, I think from a director cinematography standpoint, there was definitely a lot more physical intimacy portrayed in this film than the first two. He's shirtless almost two-thirds of the film. He they're they're in bathtubs together. They're in beds together. There's a lot of sexual energy more than the first two. That doesn't explain it doesn't, a love no. story to me. No, I know, but what I what think... I'm saying is where where was there a connection for her, this was about her career. Mm-hmm. And this was a power play mm-hmm. to be with this man. Because mm-hmm. even from the second when he's in the bar, when she's singing, she's already creating mm-hmm. a career for herself. Yes. And while I do think that they all, I do think that they are in love, it just may not be shown 
as well as maybe in some of the other films. Yeah. Unfortunately, this film didn't get very good ratings or reviews. It didn't do as well as they wanted it to. Um, yeah, I think there was a lot of things that were just interesting choices. But you know what I thought was interesting? <laughs> they kept the media frenzy. Don't forget, this is a mid-70s film. Yeah. We have a country a rocker, rocker in these huge... We're seeing these huge stadiums with screaming people. One of the first times we're really seeing that. I mean, this is from like the Beatles of the 60s into the mm-hmm. 70s and rock groups really growing. And so... I think for it to set the stage of, hey, let's take this out of golden age Hollywood and let's set this in something that's happening right now. Yeah, it brought it to the times. It brought it to the times and it worked. Um, I think you do see more of Barbara as a career woman, what she was in real life, and her character trying to portray this, I'm going to become this star. And yes, different things certainly happen with their intimacy. We also see, and I actually think this is really interesting, this is the only film where we see the male lead cheating on the female lead yes and that was something added in there were and we don't, and we know it was for like uh, there was like it was a little unclear like oh why was he doing it for publicity to get the interview yada yada but he was still slept with her yeah. and she walked in on that and we never saw that in any other film there was no yeah. cheating so that was interesting too also i will make note that the his death at the end is very different Mm-hmm. It's through a car accident. And also, this is the only version out of the four where the female character sees, or we as the audience, see the female character, see the dead body, mourn over the loss of him. You know, there's no funeral scenes where we see the them with her with the body. We don't see her discover him. This was, oh, she showed up to the car accident site. There he was to say some goodbye. It was the only film that we saw that. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, very interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Because it worked in some ways. In some ways, it didn't. You know what? For me, I I think the mystery of the death is so important mm-hmm. to this film working. Right. Who found him? What? Where was Washed up on a beach? Hanging in the garage? Or, or in the car accident? Or whatever it was? Wow. And then you don't see, and then you see how she's like days and weeks later. Yeah. I think that's really important. We saw Judy sitting around that mansion for right. many times. We saw that in the latest one. Barbara finding the tape in the rec- right. in the recording. So this one had its interesting moments for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it, it was, it was, it was, oh, well, Janet Gaynor was a star. Judy Garland was a star. Barbara Streisand is a current star. Let's try to make this work yeah. now with this, you know. Right. So I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, if you don't, you're not, you're not digging it as much. Okay. That's okay. That's, <laughs> but we, I think it, but now we're going to transition to this latest 2018 yes. film. And I think what's interesting is this definitely set a scene because there was quite a few similarities in the latest one to the seventies one in so terms I, of the rock and roll. I think what pop element, I think what they did with this 2018 version was they kept it in the times Mm-hmm. So they weren't going back to golden age movie theater because it just, it's not what's happening mm-hmm. anymore. But they took now the Barbara version and they enhanced it. Mm-hmm. They did <coughs> lovely odes to Judy Garland and the original films. Well, they, the odes were so subtle. Yeah. Her singing Summer of the Rainbow in the very beginning, the part of the Summer of the Rainbow not a lot of people know, <laughs> such an homage to Judy. Right. Her referencing her nose throughout oh, I can never be a singer because of my nose. And he says, well, you, people want to hear you. Mm-hmm. And probably, I mean, this is what Barbara Streisand dealt with early on in her career. She was so self-conscious about her nose. That's an homage in, into Barbara. There were so many homages. The, hey, can I just get one more look at you? That yeah. line lingering and staying Being through. A waiter. So, yeah. Even yeah. the, um, just so many moments of um, the, the ending where 
you know, she's accepting an award and he's embarrassing her. Every film does that. This right. kept that too. Right. Um, I guess it, it's safe to say that this film would not be this film without the other three, though. Oh, yeah. So as tell, much as so- I think it's probably at the top of my list, um, it it has to thank the other three films. Of course it does. For either paving the way, <laughs> making the mistakes, giving the ideas for this film to shine. I yeah. think that this... I have to praise both Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga's mm, performances fantastic. because uh, at times I was watching this and I didn't even know that that was Gaga up on mm-hmm. that screen because she really just got into this alley character. Right. And it was it was just so nice to watch from like a film point of view because they didn't score it. Mm-hmm. The, the music only played when... Well, they were either performing, singing, or if it was a crucial moment it in was, the movie. It was very important that the music was in those certain places because music was, in a way, in the Judy and Barbara version, overused at times, both in underscoring yeah. as well as throughout. So this one the used Barbara, the music. It made the Barbara version sound like a Wild West movie yeah, right, at times. Right, right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. This, I was like, wow. Just hearing, you could hear a pin drop sometimes mm-hmm. by figuring out their connection. This really got the love connection. Well, the yeah. love was there. The passionate love and the romance. Yes. And mm-hmm. they really cared for each other. And and you know what I thought was really amazing about this last one? When Bradley Cooper's character is breaking down mm-hmm. in the rehabilitation center. Yeah. That was so raw for me. And he said, I'm so sorry. I'm so... When do, we, don't, we do at times throughout the other films here... Norman Maine's character, John Norman, or you know Jackson Maine's characters, apologized to her quite a bit. That was, was an apology about... of I, I'm so sorry. And she said, "It's not your fault. It's the disease." And we finally addressed that this is a disease. This is something real that people struggle with. And this is not oh, just someone who's drunk in the industry's hard on him. Yada yada, like the other films. No, he was really str- all these characters really. But also struggled. in the other films, it was always about the male and how are they going to get back to their career. Hmm. Mm-hmm. This was not so much about that. This was about wanting to see her shine, but mm-hmm. also wanting to see her shine as the star that he knows she's supposed to be. Because mm-hmm. in this one, it gets into a little bit like she's a songwriter, singer, songwriter. And then what? Her, let's call him her agent. Right. Picks her up and creates a pop star out of her, creates this persona, which is a little interesting because that's Gaga in mm-hmm. real life. Mm-hmm. But he was pissed about it. It almost triggered him to start drinking mm. or using drugs. And do you notice how with Gaga's character, it changes from singer in the rock band to pop star? Mm-hmm. She tries to fight that at times. Like, I don't need to change my hair. I don't need backup singers. And that then was... later becomes, I did change my hair. I did, But it was her choosing. It wasn't like in the earlier films where it was like, you must do this to be successful. Okay. It was like. Well, it kind of was though. But it was. But it, but it was an it was, to that. Yes. But it was also her. I found a lot of strength in Gaga's character. She was this strong, strong female who really really was with Bradley Cooper because of the love. Mm-hmm. She really, really loved him. And I think also when you when you wrap the ends of all these films, they all end so well and in a very similar way. If you remember, the very first film it ends, it's very golden age Hollywood dramatic. And she goes, I'm Mrs. Norman Maine. You know, yeah. re- reminding us that she's the missus to him. Mm-hmm. She is not just Vicky Lester, Vicky Lester, Vicky Lester. In the Judy one, same thing. And then in these Barbara and Gaga ones, it ends, hello, they're about to perform, and they go, my name is Mrs. Esther Hoffman Howard. 
My name is Mrs. Allie Main. The whole film, she's Allie mm-hmm. on the billboard. Alec Baldwin and the SNL skit, and everyone, this is Allie. It's the Grammy Award goes to Allie. Oh, that's very clear. Bradley mm-hmm. Cooper knew what he was doing there. And at the end, she comes out and she says, Hello, my name is Allie Main. Yeah. It reminds the audience that she was married to him, that her romance and her heart belonged to him, and that's what makes it a romantic tragedy. We can sit here and talk all about the careers and the music, and, and which was so important, but at the, it's important to remind ourselves that all these directors reminded the audience at the very, very, very end, it was about the love and the romance between these two people. That was a big part. Yeah, but this one, I really, you felt it, mm-hmm. that it was about the love. You did. There was intimacy. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was romantic. And it showed how they went through problems in their marriage. And they tried hard to mm-hmm. to work on that. And also, and we and we talked about, and this was another film where the death changed at the end. We are presumed to believe he hung himself at the mm-hmm. end. Um, whereas the others were all different deaths. Once again, she never, we don't know if she found him. Or the police seem to have found him. We don't see her at a funeral with him. That's that mystery but of the this, death that I was talking about earlier. was very filmatic of this, like... They want you to be the judge of what happened. Mm-hmm. They don't have to show you that there was a funeral. They don't have to show you that the media... Actually, in this time, this was the first time you felt that the media actually respected her. Yeah, because there wasn't his the relationship. Because it wasn't like, oh, who did this? And you did this. And take off your veil and this. Yeah. And it's like, no, she was respected. And mm-hmm. then she walked out onto that stage at the end. She sang the last song that he wrote, that he wrote in rehab mm-hmm. and about her. Mm-hmm. And she sang it. Yeah, Yes. And that it was, was the first time where I was like, oh, great, wow. I want to hear this whole song mm-hmm. because it's driving the plot. And then that ending moment. Yeah. That- oh yeah. When it flipped to him writing. Cause I was thinking to myself when she started singing, I'm like, Oh, did, she must've wrote this. Oh, I knew he had the lyrics on the well, notebook. At first, I thought it was, that was his suicide note. Oh, right. And that's what he left yeah. her. But instead, no, no, they show the little scene. But I'm talking about the real ending scene, that last shot of her zoom up on the face was perfect. Yeah. Yes. It, and, and, and. Because it's like, what happens an, next? And an homage to the barber, because that's how the barber went in. See, there was all these mm-hmm. different. I think what Bradley Cooper did amazingly as a producer and director on this is really made sure we remembered what came before. I always say that about film remakes. Are we remembering what became for and what worked? Because yeah. not all old films are perfect. We have many problems sometimes <laughs> in old films. You take what works. This clearly works. Yeah. It's a it's a story that works. I said to you the other day, why are we not seeing this on Broadway yet? There's all these rumors that this this is so and and whether it's a rock Broadway musical or a golden age throwback, it, it should be live. We should see some I think we should see this live. I, I maybe the intimacy would translate different on a stage than in close up. Well, in I a think film. one thing that we talked about is like this does not need to be a musical. Yeah. Yeah. This needs it's to be a play, play with, with music. music. We kind of talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because a musical will totally change, change the which is what they tried to do piece. in the Judy one. They tried to make it something more musical, and it worked in times. Right. Um, so I think that's interesting. But but I think I want to end on a couple of things mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something that's so iconic from this, and it's I just want to take one more look at you. Mm-hmm. It's in some way or another in every film in some way sometimes a little worded differently yes. in the barber one i think it's worded yeah. differently but i yeah. think the barber one's the only one that lost it a little yeah bit. he said <laughs> i want to see you it was changed yeah. a little but yeah but i think that is such a beautiful moment between the two characters in each film and um that's just something i'll always remember mm-hmm. <laughs> and then one other thing i want to 
end on is which is your favorite oh which is my favorite <laughs> oh gosh I, it's to me it's a tie i think because if i could take the best parts of the judy one and the best parts of the gaga one they're two completely different films yeah. but they were both so such a big deal for the time i i yes respect to janet gaynor and her version respect to barbara Streisand and her version but to me it's like this big tie between what judy did in that film because there are some amazing acting moments watching judy garland cry in stars born to me just breaks me down i i think and then to know that like you know 10 15 years later she dies i mean in the tragedy in her personal life so the judy one the gaga one equal playing field for me that's my personal i love okay. all four that there's moments in both of them to me where i'm just my heart sinks for both of them mm-hmm. and i love it what, what about you what about you um i mean hands down Gaga one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just more me. And that's so, okay. And you know what else? I respect the other films, but this one is just more we have to ta- speed. We have to also talk about one really, really quick thing about the Gaga one. The In the Beginning, Sing La Vie en Rose, oh, In yeah. the Gay Bar. We didn't talk about that. Oh my I'm like, and I mean, we could talk about this I know. Hours. she That moment, yes. I just thought, and the wonderful venue that that was in, and the way she was performing, and I, I just, I love that. I love that she's singing in French. I'm like, what mm-hmm. a... Amazing. I, I just had to throw that in there. But yes, okay, Gaga. And then and, I will... S- and also the respect from him and just anyone in general, like, being in a gay bar, he... It didn't matter. Yeah. You know? So. And I will say, this film... Why, why, at this point, why would they stop at four? There's gonna be... You know at some point there's gonna be a fifth, a fifth one. Because I mean, why stop? Every 30 years we're seeing a new one come out. I mean... Yeah, they probably will. At but some at point. the same time, we can stop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love it. I hope, like we I said, I love stop. to see a There's so many stories out there to tell. Yeah, I love yeah, it. I love yeah, it. But yeah. four remakes? No, I know. Like, you know. I know, I know. So, so anyway. anyway. Oh. There it is. Ding, ding, ding. Clang, clang, clang with the trolley, as Judy says. (laughs) Well, this was fun. This was fun. I know that it was really important for us to watch all four of these and kind of talk about them. This is what we love, you know? So amazing, amazing. Well, thank you all. Oh, by the way, you can see all four of these on Amazon Prime or HBO Max. I believe that's where we found all four of them in some one of those two streaming locations. If you're wondering, where can I watch some of these? So Amazon Prime, HBO Max subscriptions there. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you continue to listen to our podcast in the future please make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel and check us out two worlds entertainment on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok until next time i'm richie and i'm jeff signing off for now bye Bye. hey it's leslie udom jr here on the broadway podcast network to tell you about the rise theater directory a program of maestro music Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds if you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.